Welcome to Bang the Table Talks, a podcast that discusses the evolving world of community engagement. Explore and learn with us as we host conversations with leaders in community engagement, stakeholder consultation, and public participation. We'll discuss current trends, best practices, as well as tips, tools, and ideas for better engagement programs. Hello everyone, I'm Dan Popping and I work at Bang the Table as a practice lead and engagement manager. I've worked in the community engagement sector for over 15 years and I guess in this time I've had lots of opportunity to plan and deliver and evaluate hundreds of different engagement projects. These range from small scale consultations to more significant strategies and strategic plans and large scale infrastructure projects. However, regardless of the size of the engagement projects, one of the most common questions that I still get asked today is, how do I choose the right engagement tools for my project? And although this might sound very straightforward, and especially if your organisation loves to run surveys, that's an easy option. However, in my experience, there's lots of different factors that really should be considered and that should likely influence how you choose and select the right engagement tools. So today I'm joined by Patrice Pearson and Andrew Coulson from the City of Marion in South Australia. We'll be hearing from them shortly. However, just as a bit of background, the City of Marion have actually been undertaking community engagement and I would say leading practice in this space for many, many years and currently have a community consultation and engagement policy that really sets out and lays the foundation and underlying principles of how Council works with its local communities in the community engagement space. The City of Marion uh, also used Bang the Table's EHQ platform as their engagement portal uh, since 2011, and since then have uh, hosted over 180 uh, engagement projects on their site, Making Marion. Uh, so today I'm joined with Patrice and Andrew, who've been working in the community engagement sector for many years, and uh, between them have an amazing wealth of knowledge and experience to share with us. So to kick things off, uh, Patrice, would you like to uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your current role, and maybe some of the work you've been doing here at Marion over the last few years? Thank you, Dan. I'm very excited to be doing podcasts. This is my first. So I guess uh, similar to you, and we've known each other for a long time, over 15 years of engagement experience, working, I guess, for um, a couple of different local governments and state government. And I think the main purpose of uh, those roles have been really to have a look at the political environment to understand what the organisation would need when building a policy and a framework and how organisations want engagement positioned, I suppose, and what level of support does the engagement units provide? Is it an advisory and support role? Is it a leadership role? So that's been kind of my exposure in the space. I've done a couple of high-level framework and policy reviews and then supported organisations through their journey of what community engagement is. So at City of Marion, for example, it's been about working with elected members around their role in that and how they want to be supported by the organisation to be uh, able to receive information from their communities that they need to make sustainable decisions. Mm. And you make a really interesting point, actually, around that internal buy-in that you get from your, um, you know, from your board, or in this case, in local mm. government, it's from your elected members to make sure they're on the journey. And when you do go out to engage and consult, you're doing that in alignment with what their expectations are and around the principles set out in your policy. Yes. Brilliant. Um, Andrew, you're a little bit uh, more new to the uh, City of Marion. I'm wondering if you could just quickly share with us perhaps some of your experience in the engagement sector and maybe a little bit about your current role here at uh, Marion because it's a bit more hands-on and practical from what I understand. 
Yep, hello everyone, um, and thank you, Dan, uh, Bang on the Table, for inviting us to be part of this podcast today. So, as Dan said, um, I've only been at City of Marion for a short while, just over a month now, and I'm here basically just to support Patrice over the next few months um, with regards to quite a, a large amount of work that's going on at the moment. I've been reviewing um, Making Marion, so our Engagement HQ portal, to have a look at it. It's, it's been with the council for a long time now, so just um, giving it a bit of a tidy up and, and go back over some of the old projects that are in there and how we can use some of the data that's been collected. Uh, personally, I've been in community engagement for around 17 years now, and over those 17 years, uh, a variety of different uh, industry and fields um, in, in community engagement, so as well as local government and state government in South Australia. I previously worked in the UK for a charity in a housing association and also a couple of different local councils in the UK. So a wide range of experience. Um, I'm also known as one of the founding members of Engage to Act, um, which is a collective engagement professionals and people interested in community engagement uh, looking to better the practice of community engagement. And I've done uh, a various uh, speaking roles at conferences and workshops, especially over the last seven or eight years whilst being in South Australia. Mm. So as you can kind of hear between us all, we've got a, a lots of knowledge and lots of experience, and that's something that I guess we want to tap into and then share with everybody today. So the theme really about uh, today's podcast is, you know, choosing the right tools. And uh, I was sort of saying earlier that, you know, one of the things I've always found myself in is when people come to you and they say, hey, Dan, I want to run a workshop next week or I need to do a survey. And they actually come and present the tool to me rather than actually about their project. So there's a whole range of things that we need to consider when we want to give advice and support internally around choosing the right tools. And uh, maybe I could start with you, Patrice, around, you know, tell us about some of the factors that you think are really important to sort of consider and maybe even document before you get to choosing your, your, the tools. This is a really great question because I think so we've, as local councils have been doing this for so long, they actually have got a really sophisticated amount of community feedback in their systems. Mm. Like, for example, Engagement HQ. So one of the things I would always prompt or ask is what do we already know about our communities that we can either just revalidate by checking in or step the level of the consultation up to do a deeper dive into the things that we already know. So really first point of call would be to have a look at the data that already exists to help define the purpose of your engagement. And another thing in response to your question is I think it's a really great technique to bring in people from a cross-section of um, stakeholders internally and workshop and really solidify what your purpose of your engagement is so that you can think about what other people's interpretation of the problem to be solved or the opportunity to explore is. So when you've got your purpose, you'll obviously then embed that level of whatever the IAP2 spectrum is in that space and can build your strategy with the correct tools after you do that sort of internal workshopping, I think. So that's been a really good le learning for me to just get everyone's thoughts and ideas and about what the level of complexity is, um, what the level of potential community impact could be. And I think if you're doing that by yourself behind your desk, mm -hmm. you're going to have blind spots. So bringing people together to identify that's been really useful. 
Excellent. And I love that first point you made about, you know, what do we already know? And I think it's, it can be a sort of a, a bad mistake to go back out and ask your community, you know, tell us what, you know, you think about the environment because you would have run so many consultations in the past with this history that you would already have some kind of level of knowledge around how important that is to your community and some of the things that they've said to you before. So building on that and drilling down deeper is, uh, is really good. Um, I think the second point you make about bringing together a cross-functional team is important too because, you know, many hands make light work and as you're bringing people on that journey with you, you actually get to think about different perspectives and different components of that engagement or that project that maybe you haven't seen or have that blind spot. Andrew, maybe over to you. What are some of the other things that you would consider or sort of ask questions internally to someone who's trying to work out which tools they want to use for a project? Yeah, I think it's really important um, up front that the individual or the team that running the project or owners of the project um, that they are seeking that guidance from a community engagement coordinator or a team. But that you know, shows maturity that, that the, the council or local government, such as City of Marion, they have that opportunity to come to us and say, you know, we want to do this or we need help in doing this and we can actually guide them through that. Having Making Marion an Engagement HQ really you know, sets that, that guidelines um, because there are obviously numerous tools within the back end of uh, Engagement HQ that we can use with the teams. Um, and, and then obviously the guidance around what offline opportunities there are um, that mirror the online or online mirror the offline. Now, there are probably four or five questions that I would ask the, the, the person, the project officer, the team. The first one being around time. Mm. Uh, time's really important. <laughs> um, you know, how long have we got to do this? Is it that, oh, rubbish, we haven't uh, thought about this before and we've only got three or four weeks, you know, and there are statutory obligations, obviously, with certain projects around uh, development plans or just generally how long we do engagement from 21 to 28 days, you know, minimum. You know, what flexibility is there in the project? Again, that's around time, but also things around budget, um, man hours. Are there any barriers uh, to the project yeah. about where we're doing it, why we're doing it, those kind of things. The non-negotiables and the negotiables obviously important in that area. Um, so um, especially if it's um, development of a piece of land, say a reserve or a park, you know, trees um, in South Australia, you know, are they significant trees? Are we allowed to remove this? Are we allowed to remove that? You know, what can be changed? So what are your negotiables and non-negotiables? And then, um, the audience, so not only the internal audience, but the external audience, your stakeholders, who are they? Who are we actually going to be trying to get to participate in our project? Is it one section of the community? Is it a whole community? Is it, you know, demographics of the community, that kind of thing? So probably four or five questions that I would ask up front there with the team and the community, uh, the, the officer that's involved, the project officer, just to kind of get those um, guidelines set down before we actually start thinking about what tool to select. Yeah, and look, there's a couple of really good points in there and I'm just going to pull out one of them to start with around sort of knowing your stakeholders because it sounds like then obviously depending who you want to engage can have a huge influence on the type of tools that you may select. So as an example, if you're working with a group of uh, young uh, young people around maybe a, a local skate park that you're building, you know, would it be appropriate to put out a survey and try to engage them that way? Or choosing the tool might be, actually, we probably need to go down to the actual physical, physical location yeah. and have a conversation with them at a time and a space where they're already there and engage with them that way to get a better result. And I think whilst that's quite simplistic, speaks to the fact that your audience often will have a preferred tool that's more appropriate for them uh, than perhaps a different group. And even inside that, if it is 
uh, a survey that you're selecting, you know, if it's an older uh, consort of the community that you're engaging with, you know, are there restrictions around font size and um, mm. uh, the color of the paper that you might be printing a hard copy mm -hmm. on? Because, you know, I've had those experiences before where uh, people who find it hard to read a smaller font may also need a colored paper to read on and, mm -hmm. and that changes the way you do things and, and that reflects as well if it's an online survey um you know can you change the font size to certain sizes and um, types and and, and, the, and the actual color background of, of the page that you're using so um certainly with the stakeholders that you're engaging if it's a whole of community thing there's a number of different aspects mm -hmm. that you need to think about yeah. if it's a specific a demographic of the community you can really start to drill down into what tools work better with them mm. you know is it face-to-face -face or is it uh, an online quick poll that, that kind of thing and uh, sort of going back to something you mentioned Patrice around you know understanding the purpose of the engagement because I think that uh, is as we as most engagement practitioners know is the real key foundation to kind of setting up your engagement uh, methodology and, and choosing the tools so defining that purpose around what is negotiable and what you're hoping to achieve then sort of plays out in, in selecting the right tools and I guess it, it reminding me of a, of a project that I worked on where someone came and said look you know we want to run a we want to run a workshop yes. in two weeks time and we've got these key stakeholders and this project is really really important and back to your point Andrew the timing was going to be wrong because two weeks I felt wasn't enough to invite these yes. key stakeholders yes. in and actually give them enough time to read material to be present in the room to make sure their diaries are free to participate yeah. So there was a scenario where they chose the tool before actually doing their homework mm -hmm. and actually thinking about who they wanted to invite in. And I think with that, we were just talking about, you know, um, people in a skate park and people that need to connection. And I think it actually comes down to respect and relationships. It's actually we're all human beings and I think we need to understand where people are coming from. Like, are mm -hmm. they Have they got enough information or feeling valued enough to participate in our decision-making processes because we're quite statutory and project-based and I think if you can build more relationships with your community, close the loop with your community, um, you know, engage them in a really authentic way, you're going to get the buy-in from the community around what's in it for me. Mm. And, you know, you touched on something there that maybe there's more than one tool that's actually required to meet your different audience and allow them to choose. So some people for something that yep. might be uh, quite contentious or, you know, of interest to them, they may actually want to come to a face-to-face -face event if you've done your homework and, and know that that particular segment of your, um, you know, interested community uh, will want that, whilst others may not have the time and therefore something like an online survey or a discussion forum could work for that particular group. Mm, yeah, and I think it comes back as well we often see in, in our field, in community engagement especially, that there are parts of the community that are hard to reach, mm -hmm. um, which I'm not gonna say hate, but I dislike that term because um, with the array of tools, um, and as long as you've got the time, communities shouldn't be hard to reach. You know, It's basically we need to work that little bit harder to actually uh, engage the, the people that we want to engage. So why why are they hard to reach? You are, you mentioned that there are, there are multiple tools, both in Engagement HQ and then for the face-to-face -face options. It's just about selecting the right tool um, and the right time um, mm -hmm. and knowing your purpose and, and you know what your barriers are yeah. so that you, you can go to them at the right time. So if they are, uh, you know, uh, mum and dad who work long hours and they don't have time to come to um, a meeting, then you hold um, 
or, or run similar questions or activities online and, and give them that chance to do it in their own time. Mm. If they are a, a young person using a skate park, and um, if we're going to keep with that example, then you know pretty much what time they're going to be there. So why not go and talk to them there? You know, it'll be after school or at weekends, and and we have to be flexible in that in the way that we work to to be able to to. Um, work harder to reach those people that we need to reach. Yeah, I think schools is a good one too. You just mentioned there, there you're capturing your young people and yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, and yeah, yeah. And, and and in doing that as well, providing if it is offline, the facilities to do that as well. So accessible rooms, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of catering if it's after after work, after school, because you know why should we make them miss their dinner time or yeah. tea time if if we can provide you know, uh, sandwiches and, and drinks and stuff for them to come along. Disability, go to them, make sure it's accessible where yeah. you're meeting them, if you're meeting them in a neutral location and, and things like that. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunities. And certainly with Engagement HQ, with the multitude of tools in the in the back end that we can choose from, um, I think, uh, Dan, you mentioned you don't have to use just the one. Yeah. You can yeah. use two or three at the same time. Yeah. You know, a quick poll question might give you some uh, brief background that you need or an answer to one question that is really important yep. whereas um, it can be insp- expanded then in discussion forum for yep. those that got a little bit more time and i think we often use the quick poll for that really high level snapshot overall mm. do you support these things and if you want to provide more detailed information yeah we can deep dive into that survey types tool to say um you know preferencing and um but the the quick poll is great just as overall you kind know. of get that community sentiment around where yeah, they just feel. Yeah, sentiment, yeah. strongly support. Yeah, yeah. and then so, you can really explore the. And I guess it's a quicker way for people to engage. If yeah. people are busy, they're not yeah. that interested. They can't come along to perhaps that night yeah. to the discussion or at the skate park. They can at least you know click a button click and, and a button. provide. And it. I think you know it also can indicate that um, grey area where we're not sure if people have been engaged in terms of having absorbed the information. At least you can then measure that that's been absorbed by that a number of community members but I think often as well when people suggest that they want to use a survey tool they often get bogged down in asking questions that they can't actually use the information for mm-hmm. or as Patrice mentioned earlier historically we've already got the answers yeah. for so we don't yeah. need to ask those questions so a little quick example is we've got a team here that recently came to me and said oh we need to do a survey and um, just to collect some ideas around a, a certain area of the, uh, the a project in the council um, and on having a conversation with the project officer that was involved, mm. uh, really there was only one question that they really needed to ask, uh, and that was, do you have any more ideas for this this area of work? Um, so rather than using a survey tool, which would have asked uh, a number of multiple questions, the uh, ideas tool in Engagement HQ, which basically you sign up for to use, which means you're collecting their name and their mm. suburb, which is one of our you know mandatory questions mm-hmm. already. Well, on top of that, all we need is is the idea. So yeah. the ideation tool collects that idea, and then because they've already registered and we've got their contact details, if we need to go back to them and say, "Oh, we really like this idea and we want to expand it's on it," yeah. then we go offline and we can talk to them on the phone, or we can meet them in a cafe and expand it that way. And it means it means it's a lot quicker and we're getting the information that we actually need to use. Yeah, and it raises a really good point because I'm seeing more and more now with projects that have a staged approach and as sort of the organisations become more sophisticated and how they uh, engage with their communities, that there's more opportunity for what I might refer to as early engagement. So opening up those general ideas first 
you know, sort of blue sky thinking around what, what could this be and exploring all those opportunities. Then as you move through the stages, you start to sort of funnel them down and, and narrow them down um, smaller. So um, I think that works quite well because it, it opens up to some more tools that are a bit more ideation and brainstorming or storytelling to gather yes. that input, bring people on journey, start yep. to build the stakeholder database that then you can re-engage in stage two. Stage two, sorry, so that might be taking a deeper dive. Look, we got 50 great ideas. Yeah. Three really sparked our interest that we hadn't heard of, heard of before or that we want to explore. You know, tell us what this means to you and, you know, to, to that community and then sort of, third stage might be actually presenting a final result or a draft plan or a strategy that's incorporated those early ideas, those sort of deeper dive yeah. discussions, and then coming back out to sort of consult at that third level. Yeah. Um, um, so I think um, in local government, obviously, there is a lot of issue around timing when it comes to community engagement projects. Mm. You do occasionally get the one that comes to you so early that you actually think, wow, this is amazing, I'm going to have an opportunity, almost a blank piece of paper, to say, this is what we can do, um, and we'll go from there. And the projects that come to you early enough um, and allow you to do what I call pre-engagement uh, are the best ones, because the pre-engagement stage basically means you know that the project's coming up, so you know what your, your timeline's going to be, mm. but you've still got even more time before that starts. So you can actually start having conversations with the community, whether that's online or offline, and, and collecting some of those thoughts. So with Engagement HQ, you've got your storytelling uh, mm -hmm. option where you can start to ask questions around what's the memory of this community hall or what's yeah. your, your memory of this mm. park and reserve um, where you can actually start to listen to why people like or don't like it. Uh, and then offline, you can do the same with, so there's a really... Uh, uh, I like Candy Chan, who's yeah. a community engagement artist, I think she's mm -hmm. known as. Um, and she does a, a few things like um, Before I Die Wall, yeah. um, which obviously collects things about what people want to do before I die. But the one that I really like is just some stickers that she um, introduced uh, called I Wish This Was. Um, and basically people can write out what they want that area to be or that building to be and stick it on the the a fence line or a board yeah. or even the window of a, a vacant shop so that that pre-engagement starts to actually collect and shape ideas before you actually go into your actual proper yeah. stage or phase of engagement which then allows you to select the tools whether it's a prioritization tool um yeah or a discussion board around some of the ideas that have been collected in, in pre-engagement and just linking in on that, I guess something at the City of Marion that I'm noticing we're really building our skill set around is this really strong link with project management. So we're building a project management discipline at the moment. It's a really big change piece for the organisation around ensuring that we're we're starting our projects in our business planning, our four-year yeah. strategy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we've done is collaborated with project management office to ensure that the community engagement is really in the initiate yeah. and plan phase yeah. of project management. And I think that that will start to see realise the benefits of that because it's embedded now into our projects yeah. and processes that uh, we will come it will come to us as a community engagement unit earlier aligned with project management. Yeah. So I think if anyone's out there wondering how do I get involved earlier, how am I aware across the organisation of what's going on, I'd really encourage practitioners to work through where your project management discipline sits in the organisation mm. and connect with those groups of people, your project management office. Or mm. I've people. certainly noticed that with the City of Marion. I've only been here a month and within the last month, 
I've had more people come to me and say, we want to do stuff, but we've got a bit of time, which is because it's in a strategic plan or a city four-year plan. Yeah. And even just last week on Friday, um, we had one brought to us uh, where pretty much uh, almost a blank piece of paper um, attached to it because it's in the four-year plan. Yeah. Because we're at the beginning of the four-year plan, you know, technically we've got four years to do it, which is amazing. We haven't got four years, but, and they also, because it's in the four-year plan, it's also got budget assigned to it, which again, in local government is, is often quite mm. rare when it comes to, it's part of another department's plan or project. They don't often assign budget within, but because it's part of that four-year strategic plan here at City of Marion, we know that there's budget set aside for it. And we know that we've got a bit of time with it. And we almost know what the negotiables and non-negotiables are already as well, because the elected members are aware of it and they've already had a conversation about what they would like to see with that particular project. So again, it comes back to timing. Yeah, and that's a good reinforcement, I guess, of some of those things we've talked about around, you know, the, the purpose of the engagement and, you know, that opportunity for early engagement, having a staged approach where it might fit in with your project management kind of suite and, and operation. And I think that's a really good tip to give other people around how can we embed engagement in our organisation. Yeah. And so by having people think about engagement first and upfront as their project rather than an afterthought yeah. or oh, now we've got to take out these draft plans yeah. back out, really start to shift the paradigm within the organisation, um, which yeah. is great. I don't think we should forget about closing the loop either. I mean, it's a big thing at the making yes. mm -hmm. um, for the City of Marion um, and something that they've spread out across the organisation, that closing the loop is really important. And Engagement HQ is really helpful with that because yes. obviously once you close a project, you can still update the page, mm -hmm. but you've also got the analytical tools in the back end, um, which are really helpful. Um, at the end of a project, the closing the loop and, and the feedback to those that have been, uh, been involved, including elected members, but also the community. Um, the one tip I, I want to give there is, which I've noticed since I've been here, is with the uh, comment analysis tool, if you're collecting comments either through discussion or, or the survey tool or even ideation, is to, once it's live and you start getting comments come through, is to start tagging them early. Yeah. Because if you don't do the tagging until the end of the, the project, you may have three or 400 comments that you need to read through and then start tagging into themes or yeah, whatever. And it's yeah. a real process. Yeah. That is. I mean, uh, I have done one since I've been here and it did take two days to read through 300 plus comments yeah. Yeah. because they hadn't been tagged from the beginning. So, and it, 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 you know, and that's just down to project ownership, but um, certainly whoever is a site admin or a project admin, that that's one tip is as soon as it's live, yeah. you know, just go in once a week or even, you know, once a day for five minutes. And if there's any new, comments tag them yeah and, and just one extra um point on the close the loop thing i remember years ago doing some real work with communities that were participating in engagement around what would make you want to be involved mm. and we were talking about you know prizes and those kinds of yeah. things to get people in, involved and at the end of that research piece the biggest learning was that they just wanted to know what happened to the information they provided and how the decision was made after they were engaged. So I think that's a critical piece in terms of people feeling valued and heard. Absolutely. And look, just building on that, and everyone knows that I talk about closing the loop quite a lot, yep. is I think that gives you the opportunity then to re-engage that audience. Mm -hmm. So going back to one of the things you guys mentioned around, you know, what do we already know and, and who are our stakeholders? If you have an online community or even an offline community that you know are heavily involved and interested in the environment, you can reach back out to those people. Hey, guys, you, you, you know, we'd like to invite you back into a discussion about X, Y and Z because we know we've heard from you before. And I think that really validates people around 
around, you know, when we ask them who they are and their demographic details to help with data analysis, yes. the other benefit is that you can re-engage them in other projects yes. um, moving forward. Yes. So it's a really important point that you guys guys yep. make um lastly just to finish off and i know a lot of people are interested um uh, i was having a look at your engagement policy and it does reference the iop2 spectrum yes. one of the things i i'm privy to and see quite a lot in my work is where people actually sort of match up engagement tools with different levels of engagement yes. and i'm just wondering is that something that you guys use as a tool to help staff guide them into yes. the types of tools they could they could be using depending on what level of influence a particular project has so the um elected members are really knowledgeable of the spectrum so they made sure that when we were doing our outward facing policy that that spectrum was explained to mm. the community so they understand where we're at in terms of the promise to the public yeah and I think now when I was speaking earlier around bringing people together to identify the purpose it's actually really about nailing your method because then from there what happens and obviously with project management understanding that you'll move through your methods mm. like the closing the loop you come back to inform you might consult go back to inform but with your purpose and getting people organizational buy-in elected member and executive sponsorship over your purpose of your engagement yeah. is really about defining your method and mm -hmm. therefore your techniques fall from that and I think then it's just looking at your stakeholder analysis to identify how many techniques you use within the consult Method. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's, it's quite a, obviously it's quite a dated spectrum now. Um, I think thirty years old mm -hmm. or something. Um, but it is the bedrock of what we do in community engagement. I mean, I'm seventeen years experience now, and you guys, you know, fifteen odd years yeah. experience each. And um, it certainly is the bedrock and the foundation of a lot of the stuff that we do. And it's always good to to review it. Um, and, and so having it in the policy and uh, mentioned in the policy in our own framework mm -hmm. here at City of Marion, it means that it's, it's constantly on our mind. Uh, and, and yeah, having the elected members buy in and senior yep. man, uh, managers buy in yep. around what that is, is, is really important because um, they know what the different levels mean. Yep. Um, and whilst there's now debate around whether inform should be included or not, or yeah. whether it sits over the top, yeah. you know, we all know what it means and we all know that, that, that what the different levels mean and what tools yes. sit underneath each level. So that's really important. And to let the community know that, um, I, not here, but I have had experience where I've had community members ask, you know, you know what level are you using yeah. uh, and that's important because as we know it, it's not a continuum it, it, there are multiple levels that yes. we can use yeah. um, and form should be always included and it's just what other levels going back to your stage approach question mm -hmm. each stage might have one or multiple levels within yeah. it so um, it's important that everyone knows how to use that spectrum and and, and it, it's certainly now after 30 years of using the spectrum um, given birth to I think other tools um, and spectrums out there that we all know and, and use as well alongside the IAP2 spectrum. Yeah, and look, the reason I've raised it is that it is the bedrock, as you've mentioned, and a lot of um, uh, organisations that I work with are quite familiar with it. And I think that's part of that critical thinking around what is the level of influence and therefore yep. what tools may fall from that. And I think when you are informing, it's okay to say we're just informing yep. that these are the reasons why there's no opportunity to influence yep. and the community accept that. They get that. Clear, yeah. yeah, and look, you know, just to recap on a quick 
story, I've had an instance where people have come to me in the past and saying, look, Dan, we want to run a focus group or have a survey. And as you ask some of these questions that we've spoken around, you know, what is the purpose of your engagement? What do we already know about this project and the history and, and the stakeholders and who are our stakeholders? Yeah. Do we have time? Do we have budget? What are the negotiables or non-negotiables? Sometimes it's actually okay to say this project is to inform. There's yes. not enough room for, you know, meaningful engagement. There's nothing really on the table to be influenced. So let's not pretend, let's not run a, you know, a non-sultation. Mm -hmm. Let's actually tell people that this is an informed process, maybe an avenue to contact someone, and therefore we're choosing the right tools for the right purpose. Definitely. Well, look, I think we're going to start to wrap things up there. So um, we could talk about community engagement uh, forever, and we've already gone on for a little while here. That's right. Well, we have to get you guys back for another one, I think. But I would like to take particular thanks uh, to Patrice Pearson and Andrew Coulson from the City of Marion, um, particularly for your knowledge and your time and sharing with that today. If you are interested to see what making, uh, sorry, what Marion are doing, you can look up their website, uh, makingmarion.com.au, and uh, see some of the great projects that are on there. Uh, any final thoughts or words from you, Patrice and Andrew? No, I think it's just really important that we all connect with each other. Everyone in the um, you know, government sector are trying to do the right thing and the best thing in the engagement space, so always happy to connect with others, um, talk about our learnings and yeah. things that have Yeah, happened. sharing uh, in community engagement is, is very important, and uh, um, whether it's through um, going to conferences with the IAP2 or connecting with the members of Engage to Act through their Facebook groups, um, um, or just getting together locally and having a, a beer or a wine um, with other engagement uh, consultants and practitioners. It's always good to share the good and the bad um, uh, just to, to ensure that the practice moves forward. Excellent. Well, thanks very much, guys. It's been great talking to you, Thank and you. Uh, we'll see everyone at the next podcast. Thank you. Cheers, then. Thank you for tuning in to Bang the Table Talks. Join us for future conversations as we explore the capacity and insight that online engagement has to offer. Check out our other learning resources at bangthetable.com.